All right. This is a, a, a bittersweet day. I was just talking to our guest offline about how bittersweet this show is going to be, but it's Mitch Robbins, your host of the RAQA Today podcast. Um, I am the founder and managing director of an organization called the Anthony Michael Group, and we help uh, medical device, digital health, and diagnostics companies across the U.S. to build best-in-class technical teams. So the majority of the work that we do is within the RAQA space. We also have uh, support for engineering, R&D operations. Basically, if you take the cross-functional wheel and, and break it into uh, two sections, we work on the technical side of the business. And um, today is, like I said, it's an interesting day. Our guest, Michelle Lott, I'm going to have her introduce herself in a minute, but we've got some some surprising things to announce today on today's show. I want to say this is our 34th or 35th podcast episode, and uh, you're not going to want to miss it. So without further ado, uh, Michelle Lott from Lean RAQA today is our guest, and uh, a whole lot more, and you're going to find out what that means in a, in a few minutes. But in my opinion, Michelle is way too humble, and uh, the accolades behind her name and behind Lean RAQA uh, are quite amazing. So if you wouldn't mind, Michelle, just, just give us a, a brief overview of, of your background and really what's going on with uh, Lean RAQA. Well, I've been in medical devices and life sciences for nearly 20 years now. And I founded my company, Lean RAQA, 12 years ago. And since then, we have really specialized in creating a niche market around startups and small companies that have novel technologies Ideally, we get involved in early stage uh, concept development and really kind of handhold and walk them through that FDA process all the way into com commercialization and their quality management system. So, you know, one thing I'm proudest about about our, our business is that we're collaborators. We're not deliverable based. I still have my first customer from 12 years ago. Amazing. And if I'm not mistaken, it kind of goes along with what I said about you being too humble. You've helped over 100 organizations in the last nine or 10 years, right? Yes. And, you know, this year has really been great for me. We have had over 25 new customers this year that wow. we've engaged at a significant and strategic level. Amazing. And before we get into the heart of what we're going to talk about today, just out of curiosity with these new customers, in the influx of business you've had this year, has there been a common theme to the types of business or the types of help that you've been called upon in the RAQA space this year? You know, early on and, you know, March and April, of course, it was all things COVID. But then it's almost like I've really invested in my marketing, you know, redoing the website, my branding, LinkedIn, being consistent with my presence. And this year, all those things that I've invested in for the past two years have just really come together. And so I've gotten a real diverse types of projects, real diverse technologies. Of course, digital health is a big thing now and, and AI. Awesome. And one last question about uh, your business. <clears throat> you mentioned that you've been investing and really putting back into the business over the last couple of years and starting to see that come to fruition. For those listening who are perhaps independent consultants or have small consulting firms right now, what would you say has been, I guess, a key element that you're really uh, appreciative of or proud of as far as where you've invested that you're starting to see the return as far as where you're generating business from? You know, I think one of the things I've enjoyed most 
is the, the videos and webinars I've done for education purposes. And then my team has taken them and turned them into smaller bite-sized clips. They've gone out on LinkedIn. They've gone out on YouTube. And by the time somebody comes to me for services, they feel like they already know me. And so it's like we already have a relationship before I even know anything about them. And that's exactly what you want. We always say people need to know you, like you, and trust you, right? Right. That's awesome. Well, let's jump in. Like I said, it's an interesting, bittersweet uh, podcast episode. I would say that uh, personally, I've Michelle and I have gotten to know each other fairly well over these last year or so. Uh, Michelle was on the podcast late last year, and uh, I followed her business for, for many, many months and just amazed by the amount of progress that her and her team have been able to accomplish in, in uh, her lean RAQA business. And I've made the strategic decision to offer uh, Michelle the opportunity to come on and, and be the host of the RAQA Today podcast. And so today is, is actually the transition where we are going to hand the reins off to Michelle. I have every vote of confidence. She's going to explode the heck out of the followership for this podcast and really be able to dig in deep when it comes to RAQA topics. So it's an honor to have you take over the reins and uh, I'm excited to kind of talk talk that through today. Well, I really appreciate you trusting me with your, your following and your legacy that you've left here. So thank you. And with that, we're going to kind of turn the tables and I'm going to be interviewing you. So what is next for you? Why, why have you come to this place that you're handing this off? What new thing are you starting for yourself? Sure. So I started RAQA today with the idea that um, you can't be everything to everybody. And the the RAQA today was set up at a time where 100% of our business was regulatory and quality recruiting. And I felt that it was a great opportunity to bring in different perspectives from the industry on a variety of topics, whether it be talent or technical issues going on in regulatory or quality issues. You know, we've had the opportunity to interview some amazing folks from the industry. As our business has continued to evolve, it's been harder and harder to try and bring in topics that I want to with, within the RAQA Today framework. And I started to think to myself, you know what? My domain expertise is talent. I know all things talent. I've been doing this for over 12 years now, and I'm passionate about it. And there's so many avenues that you can uh, go down when it comes to talking about talent. And I noticed that as we were doing the podcast with RAQA Today, sometimes when it came to the technical discussion, I didn't personally as the host feel as though I was adding as much as I possibly could because I'm just not as versed when, it, when you start to dig into the technical aspects. And so my thought is you can take this and make it even bigger based on your knowledge. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a, a new social media creation of, of sorts that is going to be related to medtech talent in one way, shape or form. We're gonna have talent stories, we're gonna have talent uh, strategies, talent therapy as we were discussing. So it's really gonna be a mixture of all things medtech talent related. I'm super excited about it and we hope to launch uh, as early as uh, January. Okay, well that does sound exciting. So is your strategy, mission, value system, is that is that the same? How's your, how's that? similar or different from from where your company is based right now? Yeah, so I'd say the mission um, and the values are consistent. And that is to provide 
put out as much content, as much value for the audience as possible and be almost the, um, the hub with a variety of spokes, the spokes being the value that basically facilitating value, right? Bringing in experts that know about topics that are important to our audience and bringing that all together in one central place. So I think the mission and the values are the same. The, the topics are going to just be a little bit different. It sounds like the, the focus is going to be a little bit something more, more along the lines of things that are, are naturally in your own wheelhouse that you can speak collaboratively with somebody about. That's very well said. That's exactly why I'm doing this. Absolutely. And I think it aligns more why you should be the host of RAQA today moving forward, because I think you'll be able to add that piece uh, and, that, and that perspective. And I can do that uh, likewise in, in the talent space. So what do you think you're, have you brainstormed what your first topic or so is going to be? Um, that's a really good question. I haven't. I'm gathering a list of folks that I'd like to interview, though, on the show. And so for those listening now and for you, Michelle, if you guys think of either rising stars or been there, done that, all stars uh, in the industry who you think would be great guests, I'd love to know. But we're going to talk about so many different things. We're going to talk about employer value proposition that I constantly harp on and why it's so important and what that actually is and how I see 99% of organizations recruiting without the employer value proposition. We're going to talk about the struggles I see that really shouldn't exist when it comes to actually landing a candidate and not losing them to a counteroffer or losing them to um, a competitor we're going to talk about employer branding. We're going to talk about, I mean, just so many different things that you could do with talent. I'm, I'm really excited. So to answer your question, do I have a first episode? Um, I don't. It might just be a general episode that introduces the show and kind of what we're going to be talking about going forward to try and build some interest that way. So I did some sleuthing on potential <laughs> fun things to ask you about. Um, uh, and I came across a, a new venture that you uh, started in, in the summer of this year, Career Hunters. That's right. Yeah. 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 Tell me a little bit about that and how that kind of rolls into to what you're doing here. Yeah. No, thanks for bringing that up. So kind of been a, it was about to be public and then it kind of went back into the stealth mode temporarily, but I'm very excited to announce the collaboration, uh, a, a new company called The Career Hunters that I'm running uh, in partnership simultaneously to the Anthony Michael Group. But uh, in essence, I've partnered with David Stephan Patterson, who has also been a mentor of mine. Uh, he is a uh, fairly well, I should say, very well-known recruitment trainer uh, in the recruitment industry, runs his own search firm, but also runs a very successful recruitment training company. And right around the time that lockdown started happening with COVID and everything. And we were reading the news daily of all the layoffs that were happening and complete industries that were being shut down. And I just thought to myself, man, these people have to be scared as hell. They're sitting at home, literally not knowing what to do other than pour themselves a cup of coffee and start feverishly uh, filling out applications online and hoping to hear back. And it dawned on us as we were talking this through, I'm like, you know what? Why don't we create a course that teaches professionals the exact strategies that headhunters use to go get themselves their own job? Why don't we turn this on its head and create an online course that shows them how to think of themselves from a sales and marketing standpoint versus just filling out an application? How do we create an actual brand? How do we create a message that plays to the pain of the hiring manager that, that puts them in a position as to where they're the only solution, not a solution, but the only solution. 
and bypass the entire broken recruiting process as we know it today. And so that's what the Career Hunters is. So it's the two of us who are building out this online course that we hope to launch, I would say, hopefully officially by February. And yeah, that's what it is. Well, um, I've already downloaded your material. Oh, nice. <laughs> and so two things that, that stood out to me in the initial email are, uh, one was how to build an appropriate resume to get somebody's attention. And one of the reasons that stood out is obviously I've spent a lot of time on, on mine because it looks very different as a consultant than trying to get a job. But also people come to me regularly for their own career advice that want to move into this space. And one gentleman came to me and his resume was four pages. And I was like, we call that the alphabet soup resume. Yeah. And I'm like, this is an essay on who you are. This isn't like, <laughs> I said, you lost me at, at hello. You know, I didn't even pick up the phone. And, and he's like, it's just not possible to get it underneath four pages. So anyways, I think that, that uh, especially in this life science area where people can be very, very qualified, be very, very linear, you know, maybe what would be the biggest piece of advice you give to people to be successful in a, in a corporate role with a resume? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, keeping that question to the resume specifically, one of the number one mistakes that I see people make on their resume, whether you're um, in the life sciences or not, is that... Resumes are very heavily focused on responsibilities versus the outcomes that you've achieved as a result of your responsibilities. And if you think about it, one regulatory affairs manager at a class two medical device organization has very similar responsibilities to another similar organization, right? Take the reg affairs manager, they're gonna be doing 510Ks, they're gonna be dealing with tech files, et cetera, et cetera, fairly similar responsibilities. The outcomes that you delivered and, and how you went about delivery is what separates you. And so if you think about it from the point of view of a hiring manager who has these pains and they're trying to advance their own career and they can advance their own career through the people that they hire, how are you going to help make that person's life a little bit easier? Mm-hmm. And how can you articulate that through the outcomes that you've achieved? That's what separates you from the next person who's applying for the same job. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I have mine grouped by professional highlights. And then I have my, I worked here, I worked there, but I, mm-hmm. at, no po- at no point on my resume do I have a bulleted list of responsibilities. Yep. And I have literally, it's gone as bad as I've literally seen somebody take the job description for their job and copy the responsibilities and put it on their resume. Oh boy. Yeah. So that's almost, I, we could do the the flip side of this. That's just as bad as a company who's listing the responsibilities and the requirements for the job and expecting that they're going to recruit all-star talent from, from that type of posting. It just doesn't work. Right. And then the other thing that stood out from some of the new materials was bypassing HR. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I thought that was significant is once upon a time, many moons ago in my career, I applied for a job. I spent 16 hours interviewing for this job. It was still fairly kind of mid-career for me in industry before I started my own business. And I was told by the hiring manager, it was this time actually right before Christmas, he's like, you did so well, everybody loves you, expect a offer letter right after the holidays. So I called HR after the holidays and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, 
you're not qualified for the job because you don't have your RAC certificate yet. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so I got to be, I got to tread lightly here because as the owner of a search firm, I would tell you that HR and talent acquisition departments are a vital piece to a smooth process. I was trained a long time ago that the best relationship for when it comes to recruiting and when you're working with a third party search firm is the hiring manager, the third party uh, uh, recruitment partner and a member from human resources because everybody's on the same page. What we talk about with the Career Hunters material that you're referring to is the hiring manager is the one that feels the pain the most, that has the challenge that is being is trying to be solved by way of hiring this talent. Human resources, it's not fair to expect them to be first in all functions, all areas, all technicalities. It's just impossible. Nobody can do that. And so they're trained to, to look for certain things that may indicate the person has the skills versus the hiring manager who can sniff that out in the heart because they know what they're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And so we train, isolate the problem and demonstrate how you're the solution through a variety of strategies that we teach. But it's so much easier to work backwards into human resources than to be screened out by somebody who, who is not really qualified to screen you out. Yeah, exactly. And you're a perfect example. The, the example you just shared of your own personal story is exactly what we're talking about. So what do you want to see out of this podcast and the legacy that you're, you're leaving me going forward? Oh, man, my, my greatest hope is that you just knock the cover off the ball and uh, just make it... Uh, a huge success. And I really, but that's why I called upon you because I really feel like you've got the personality, you're raw and real, which is fantastic. That's what I think people love. That's why I love you. And it's accompanied by your technical acumen in this space. And so I have no right to tell you how to, the direction of where to take it from here. I just know that you're going to build a followership that really looks to you for, for advice that they need. And you're going to add the value uh, that is really going to help move the industry forward as a whole. So I'm really excited uh, and uh, high hopes for you. Awesome. Well, I can guarantee you at the very least, we'll have fun with it. Absolutely. I can, I can see that already. And I just hope that you have me back on as a guest uh, from time to time to talk about things that are going on in the talent space within our AQA. Absolutely. We'll exchange war stories. There you go. There you go. So how did you end up coming to get specialized very specifically in, in life sciences in the first place? So I had left the organization I was with for almost six years and I was working in hospital uh, leadership recruiting and couldn't do that in an effort to honor the non-compete agreement that I had in place. And so I, the real truth is I left with the intention of starting a cybersecurity recruiting firm and two weeks into the practice, I realized this is just not for me. It's not the direction I want to go. And so I was, I'll never forget it. I had just, I started the business, the Anthony Michael Group in October of 2015. We had our firstborn uh, July 4th of that year. And I remember sitting in the basement thinking, what did I do? What the hell am I going to do? Like all the way around. <laughs> it was just, it was, I had felt a lot of pressure. And so um, before I got into to healthcare recruiting, I had also worked uh, for a period of time in logistics and transportation recruiting. So I was going just hours and hours researching things. And I stumbled somehow, I don't know to this day how the article came up, but I stumbled upon regulatory affairs. And I called a good friend of mine who is a very well-known recruiter in the life sciences space. And I said, hey, what do you think about if I focus in, in regulatory affairs? 
And I'll never forget the advice. He's like, it's super hard to reach people. They don't answer the telephone. They don't want to talk to you. But if you can figure it out, it's a great space because it's only going to continue to grow with changing regulations and just the way the life sciences in general is growing. And so from there, I just kind of, I said, okay, you know what? It can't be everything to everybody. RA and QA seem to go uh, together and let's roll. And that's what happened. And then uh, see what, five, six years later, so we just celebrated our fifth year anniversary this October. Yeah, so a little over five years now, mm-hmm. which I'm very blessed uh, uh, that we're doing well and the company's growing. And like I said, you know, RAQA has been a huge focus of our business, but especially this year, we've had an opportunity to work with a variety of digital health companies and build their engineering teams and uh, software teams. So it, it's awesome. It's awesome. The formulas and the strategies that we use to recruit RA and QA people are the exact same that we can use to recruit an engineer. It's understanding the fundamental strategies that help you ultimately land the talent you're looking for. Well, and I, in my research, I found out your, your own set of accolades that I don't think you brag very much about, that you have a 98% placement rate, which is astronomical. What are some of those secrets to how you've been so consistent? I got to give you kudos. I know you're going to be a great host of this show because you do your research. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, people kind of look at me when I say that and think that it's just kind of a fluff um, stat that I put out there, but it it really is true. And one of the biggest reasons is because I'm adamant that we won't let a, a client make an offer that we know already won't be accepted. I'd rather not extend an offer and just you know, blow up the deal at that point versus handing an offer and letting the client feel the, the pain of a turn down. The other reason is we do a lot of due diligence up front before the final interview. I always say that there should be roughly an 80% fit before the, the final interview. Now, granted, now that everybody's gone virtual, the final interviews are happening way faster because everybody's doing video interviews. But it used to be that, you know, the last piece was an all day panel interview. And I would say there should be, you as the candidate should feel like there's an 80% fit here in the rest is that the chemistry, the cultural idea that you have from the first couple of calls should be fairly similar. But at that point, you already know what the scope of the job is. You know who you're going to be working with. You know roughly where we're going to be money-wise. There's no reason you can't make a decision in your head. Is this something I want to move forward with? Mm-hmm. So we do a ton of due diligence before the final interview. And then prior to the point, final interview, there's a lot of pre-closing again to make sure that the organization thinks that this is the right person and why and that we can land them and that the candidate feels like they've thought through that they're not going to take a counter offer, that they don't want a different job, that they really do want this job, that they can see themselves giving their notice and being able to resign and foregoing maybe the bonus that they thought they were going to get in two months if they stay. So all those things can be done before you extend an offer. That's why our offer acceptance rate is so high. Granted, there's, you know, things underneath that, but in essence, that's why. Mm-hmm. How important is company culture in finding that, that right fit on both sides? It's a loaded question. I'll tell you why. It's insanely important. I think a lot of companies and a lot of candidates talk about it very generically. I wish I had a better word for, for generic, but what I mean by that is it could be this thing that people say, oh, we pride ourselves on a great culture or I'm looking for the right fit. Really? And I always joke, and this is something you would do. Oh, really? You're not looking for the wrong fit? (laughs) Right? People say these things, but I don't think when they stop and think about it, they realize what they're saying and how there's, it can be almost where there's no meaning behind it. To answer your question, is cultural fit uh, important? Absolutely. 
But how do you dig into how to find the right fit? That goes into what we call talent DNA. Talent DNA, in essence, is the set of characteristics that you do not want to waver from. If you look at your organization and you take your highest performers, either if it's a small company across your company, or if it's a larger company across your department, let's just say, what are the unwavering characteristics that this person needs to have that would mirror your top performers? What are the characteristics that you believe have made these people successful in your organization? The characteristics that they possess themselves or the characteristics that they've developed as a result of being in your company that you want to continue to expand, right? Because if you can come up with those core elements, you know that you can be steadfast in your interview process that if somebody doesn't possess those characteristics, they're not going to be the right long-term fit. Um, more to it, but that's in essence how you, how you get to the heart of that matter. And then I think with, with candidates, I think all too often, they just assume it'll be the right cultural fit. And they don't necessarily know types of questions that you can ask in an interview process that will give you the type of response you need to make that decision. I tell you what, I've been known to flat out, like when I was in the industry and I was interviewing people and I'm like, okay, these things are broken. Those things are broken. This other thing is broken. Are you scared? <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's if great. You're scared, you need to keep on moving. <laughs> yeah. Well, and to the transparency too, right? A lot of times organizations, sometimes I hate to say it, but it's so true. Hiring managers will give a, a rosier picture than reality. They're going to find out anyways. Yeah. They're going to find out. So yeah. why not talk about where the great things are and where the challenges are and make sure that that person is fully aware because you're going to build trust from day one, like just like that, right? right. Versus surprising somebody. Now you're going to run the risk of losing somebody. You're going to be that much stressed, more stressed out. The person's going to have a bitter taste in their mouth and not think fondly of, of their experience. And you're going to create a vicious cycle. So I amen to you. I think that's great. Okay, with that, I'll give you the opportunity if you'd like to sign off for the, your last time for our yeah. HRA today. Yeah, um, so before I do that, I do wanna mention one more thing. Uh, you mentioned the Career Hunters. If people go to the careerhunters.io, there's so much, as you just as you mentioned, there's a lot of content that we're, we give away at no charge. There's an entire toolkit in there as well. Uh, so just go to the careerhunters.io and you'll see the, the Career Hunters toolkit. As for RAQA today, I just want to thank the audience. I, it's been an honor bringing the podcast uh, to where it is uh, today. I've learned a ton being able to interview so many different great guests over the last couple of years from the industry. I'm excited to uh, do something similar, uh, more focused on talent. And I just want to thank you sincerely, Michelle. I feel fantastic of who I'm leaving this to and wish you nothing but the best success moving it forward. Thank you for trusting me with it. I'll take the baton and run right. with it. Thanks, Michelle.